Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The captain's not the one running away from God, Jonah is. Jonah bought the ticket to get on board, and Jonah's sin that cost him financially is also going to cost somebody else financially. You see how sin just affects everybody around us. There's a crew that's not going to get paid for this delivery because all the cargo's overboard. There's a captain who probably could more than likely lose his ship because of one prophet's rebellion. Sin always comes with a price tag. Have you ever gotten a bill in the mail and were shocked by the total amount due? And not shocked in a good way, but a bad way. That doctor's bill or utility bill, or better yet, that tax bill? Your heart sinks and you're a little upset. Okay, a lot upset. How are you going to pay it? Pastor James shares today that there is one bill that we'll never be able to pay, the bill that comes due for our sin. Well, Jesus paid that sin bill in full. You just need to accept the payment. It's a free gift to you, but it cost him everything. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Jonah chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I don't think I have to go too much into the history of Jonah because it's one of the most commonly known stories, even if, you're, even if you have little to no church experience. I knew about the story of Jonah. I didn't really grow up in church. I had, I had church ex- exposure and experience and all that good stuff. I went to a Christian school for like two years. But that was like kindergarten and first grade. I don't even remember anything from that. But I knew about Jonah and the big fish, the big whale, right? Everybody knows about that. So here, let me provide you some, some context. Um, number one, Jonah was a real person, okay? If somebody tells you, no, this is an allegory, they don't know what they're talking about, okay? It's a real, he's a real person. How do we know he's real? Well, Jesus talked about him, and he wasn't talking about him as if he was an allegory or a story, some sort of like kid's story that parents used to tell their, you know, their little Hebrew children about, hey, you better be nice to other people, right? You don't want to be like Jonah, right? No, this is a real guy, and Jesus used a real man and a real story to communicate one of the most important messages he's ever delivered, and that's about his resurrection. So he's real. He's also found in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. His name is mentioned in there. Um, he was a real guy. His name means dove in Hebrew, and when he was on the scene, Jeroboam II would have been ruling. And the four chapters can be broken down like this, okay? If you like words and association things that I never use, and I don't have slides, except that one. That's pretty rad, though, right? That Jonah slide. See that big fish down there? Um, if I was really on top of my game, I'd have like these points, and I'd be like, point one. But I don't teach like that. Um, so I'm sorry. If you need that, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, chapter one, rebellion. Chapter two, repentance. Chapter three, restoration. Chapter four, resentment. That's how you can break down Jonah, okay? The first one is rebellion. Israel was experiencing a time of success when Jonah was on the scene. So to be a prophet in Israel during this time was like a good gig to have, okay? It was a good gig to have. I mean, the economy's great. Everything's going good. Um, you know, they, they've experienced some battles here and there and all that good stuff, but by and large, things are, things are going really well. 
And then one day, Yahweh gives a message to his prophet, Jonah. It's his, it's his job to hear from the Lord and then not just say what God wants him to say, but do what God wants him to do. That's the whole deal for a prophet. Like, you have one job, and that's your one job. Hear, speak, do. That's it. Verse 1, chapter 1 says this, though. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, or the capital city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Right? Jonah's doing his morning devotions. Like, oh, Yahweh, I love you so much. You know, he's maybe praying the great Shema, like he's doing his thing, like a good Jewish prophet would be doing. And then God's like, oh, Jonah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got a mission for you. Mission? Sweet. Where are we going? What are we going to do? He's like, well, there's this place. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Nineveh. It's a great capital of of Assyria. You know, your enemies. You know, those guys that have been causing problems for you. The wicked ones, the cruel ones. The ones who take their prisoners and will skin them alive and make their furniture out of their enemies' skins. The ones who will, who will place in their gates going into their cities the skulls of all the people that they've conquered just so you know not to mess with these guys. The ones who are, who are at this moment working on and inventing painful ways to torture and kill all their enemies. Those guys. Jonah, have you heard of those guys? I need you to go to them and deliver a message of mercy. And Jonah would be like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I don't know. I wasn't listening. Um, I, TV was on too loud. Uh, I fell asleep in my prayer time. Can you repeat that, please? Because it sounded like you want me to go to, to Nineveh, but I'm sure you want me to go to you know, some cush, lush place within Israel so I can take it easy. Because things are good. And when things are good, me as a worker for you, God, should be taking it easy. God's like, I haven't called you to an easy life. Jonah, you're not supposed to take it easy. That's called heaven. And even in heaven, there's going to be work. But it won't be work like here. Jonah, I haven't called you to a life of luxury. I haven't called you to a life of taking it easy regardless of whatever that band was that wrote that song. I've called you to do work. I've called you to be on mission. And there's a place, and its wickedness has risen up to me, and I I need you to go give them a message. So we know that Jonah is not excited about this at all because of his response. And his response is his reaction. Okay, Sometimes you don't have to say anything in order to communicate to God what your heart is, where, where your heart's at, okay? Because Jonah's uh, reaction is found in verse 3. It says, but Jonah got up and went the opposite direction. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. Like, he didn't even say anything to God. He's praying, probably, again, the great Shema, I'm sure, right? Like, our, our, our Lord God is one, and just this beautiful prayer. And then God's like, go to Nineveh, and he just like, closes the Bible, bells, like takes off, like, like no, no, no dialect, no, no conversation that we know of at all. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction. Let me tell you right now, that is always, 
And in never in any circumstance or scenario, is that the right answer when God asks you to do something? With the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, not the Ninevites, not the Ninevites, from God. He, he is not walking in repentance, which means to turn towards the Lord and pursue the Lord. He is walking in rebellion. And he is turning away from God and moving as far away from God as possible. Or so he thinks. This is why this first one would be tattled, would, you can, you know, sum up chapter one with rebellion. Jonah, you're a prophet. It's your one job to represent God. That's the only job you have for the most part. He's like, I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm retiring, early retirement. Um, I'm done. Jonah, where are you going to go? As far as the east is from the west is what he's thinking. Because the destination he's going for might as well have been another planet. It says he went down to the port of Joppa. So note this. There's a, there's a progression that happens. Okay, he went down to Joppa. Anytime you're walking away from the Lord or trying to get away from the Lord, every step you take away from him is down. It's a progressive thing. Down, down to Joppa. He's not done yet. So he goes down to Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Tarshish is it like all the way in Spain, across the Mediterranean Sea. And he's, most of these guys, these Jewish men, hate the sea. He's like, I'm going to get on a boat, and I'm going to go as far west as I possibly can to a place where we don't even know if he's ever even heard of this place. Where are you guys going? Tarshish, done. How far away is that? Oh, it's really far. Perfect. That's where I need to be right now. It's really far. As if God is just limited to Israel. Here's the, here's the next thing. In rebelling against God, which is sin, by the way, he bought a ticket. Sin always comes with a price tag. Sin always comes with a price tag. Always. He had to pay for a ticket to a destination he would never reach. He, he, paid, he bought out of his own pocket the ticket, which is just another act of rebelling against God, only to be thrown overboard, probably not even halfway through, and to be swallowed by a big sea creature, okay? But sin always comes with a price tag. There's always a price to pay. Always, always, always. Bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarshish. It says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sh uh, sailors shouted to their gods, lowercase, for help, and threw the cargo board, uh, threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship, right? So this is a cargo ship, and it's probably loaded down because that's a long journey. So somebody is losing out on a lot of money. There's a lot of money going, being thrown overboard. It's going to cost that captain dearly. But it's not the captain's fault. The captain's not the one running away from God. Jonah is. Jonah bought the ticket to get on board. And Jonah's sin that cost him financially is also going to cost somebody else financially. You see how sin just affects everybody around us. There's a crew that's not going to get paid for this delivery because all the cargo's overboard. 
there's a captain who probably could more than likely lose his ship because of one prophet's rebellion. Sin always comes with a price tag. And it's a price that none of us can pay. None of us can afford to pay it. Praise God for Jesus and paying that price for us. So the Lord, the Lord hurled a powerful wind. He caused this to happen. So they're throwing everything over. But look at this. But all this time, Jonah was what? Sound asleep. Sound asleep in the hold, which meant he went down to Tarshish, went onto the boat, and then went down into as far as he could go in the bottom of the boat. Down, down, down. And he's not done going down. He's got further to go. Further to go. So he snoozing the whole time. The captain went down after him and he says, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Why? Why call on this, this man who they don't even know? Because none of their gods can do anything. They're like, you, we pray to your God, your God, your God. Everybody's God here has been prayed to. Yeah. Well, there's one more dude down there. Let's go see if his God works. Okay, they're desperate, desperate men. Verse 7, the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Now, you know God was behind that dice game, right? Like, they're like throwing dice, and they're like, Jonah's number is like seven, and it's like boom, 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 seven. Jonah's like, oh, like, Jonah, you can't get away from him. He even controls the dice that the way that they're rolling. So they all look at him. The lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And now, I don't know where these guys are from, but they couldn't identify Jonah at all by his speech, by his look, or anything. They, they really knew nothing about him. Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Really? Do you? because you're not doing it right now. I'm <laughs> like, you're kind of running away from him, but okay. The God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for, they, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Man, when the world is calling out Christians for walking away from God, that's a bad scene. It's a bad thing. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do? To, uh, to you to stop the storm. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. It will become calm again, and I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So here he is. He is being a little bit prophetic here, because it's true. If they threw him overboard, the storm would stop, right? But he's not thinking, like, just throw me over, and I'll float around. He's like, just kill me. Just kill me. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Again, it's sad when the world shows more compassion towards other people than the church does. They had the solution, but they're like, we can't just kill you. We can't just throw you over. We will fight to get to the shore. And here Jonah is. He doesn't, win, he doesn't even want to go to Nineveh. He has no compassion for those people at all in their souls. These guys don't know God at all. Yet. Yet, then they says they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded. They're praying now. Don't make us die for this man's sin. 
Don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. They have way better theology than most Christians today, too. And they just met God in a storm on a boat. They're like, we're going to (laughs) die. But this guy seems to know the one true God. And then they start crying out to him. The sailors picked up Jonah and they threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So they may have lost everything, but they gained the most important thing and that was salvation. And that was salvation. So yeah, they go back to Tarshish and they're empty handed, but they go back to Tarshish as new people, as new people. So they tossed Jonah into the sea. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish, and that technically is correct. It's not a whale. It probably was a great fish. I know you can technically say a whale was, well, whales are not fish. Um, what am I talking about? I don't know. I, Shannon and I watch enough Shark Week. We know the difference, okay? Um, there's, no, God created this fish. Probably in this moment, God created this, in what I wrote on mine is aquatic beast is what I wrote next to mine, because it's a sea monster, Is it a big fish? It probably is a big fish, probably. But you could also say some sort of sea creature swallows Jonah, right? And you're like, that's that's just impossible. Well, how is that impossible? It has happened in history, and guys have survived that. So how is that impossible? I think it's it's very probable for this to happen. Um, There's some whalers out there that have stories of this, of like, yeah, one dude went over, the thing swallowed him, we caught that thing, cut it open, and he was still alive, right? So it's very possible. So this great fish swallows Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights, and that's the reference Jesus uses in the Gospels, my resurrection. He's like, just like Jonah, three days, three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the, well, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, in the tomb for for that amount of time, and then resurrected, okay? Um, just so you understand what's happening inside the fish, it stinks, I'm sure of it. Um, it's, who knows what this great fish had been swallowing before Jonah. The stomach acids within the, within the fish would probably have bleached his skin white, and any body hair he had was probably gone. So I just want to create that image as he goes strolling into Nineveh, okay? So just so you understand, of like, this Hebrew guy probably about this tall, no hair anywhere, head, eyebrows, eyelashes, nowhere, and he's just like bleached white, okay? Weird, weird scene that's happening there. And for these Ninevites, um, they've already had like natural disaster after they had a plague, and then a few years later, there was an eclipse, and then there was going to be another plague, and it's thought that Jonah shows up right around that same time, where God's been trying to get their attention, and then this, this, you know, this, this white dude shows up. And that's not saying, like, you know, ethically. I'm just saying, like, no, he literally, he's white. Like, you know, he just, he just walks into the town and is like, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're all going to die, right? He sends this message. And they've been given hints, so to speak, from God already. And they're like, yeah, we think we'll follow that God. We'll, we'll think we'll pay attention now. But before you get there, verse, uh, chapter 2 says it's a prayer. A prayer from the belly of the fish. And this is a repentance. Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. 
See, he's, he's going down all the way to the bottom. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves. The waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. So this is his experience inside the fish. Now, how he can see outside the fish, I don't know. But maybe God created a translucent fish. Because there are translucent fish that live at the bottom of the sea. So maybe he, he just you know, appointed, and that's technically the term there, he appointed this great fish to swallow Jonah. Maybe it was a see-through fish. Can you imagine that? Being inside of this fish's stomach as it's going down, and I don't know how the pressurization worked on that, but maybe it went down in, in levels so his head didn't like explode or implode, but he is seeing like the base of the mountains in the sea. How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I hope that fish is in heaven because that'd be pretty cool. That'd be a great ride, right? Like if there's like a theme park in heaven, it'd be like, can I do the Jonah fish thing? Because um, I want to see that. Uh, but he's, and maybe this is very poetic. So, you know, obviously he's probably using poetry language. But anyways, he's like, I went down as far as you could go. That's where I was. That's where I was. Running away from God got me to literally rock bottom. Literally, rock bottom. He says, but you, O Lord my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with, a song, with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Right? So here's Jonah. He's in the fish's stomach, and he's like, this stinks. Like, I, I even want to die, and I, God won't let me die. So what are you going to do, Jonah? You're going to dissolve in that fish's stomach for however long that takes? Or are you going to turn to him? And that's what he did. He hit rock bottom, and he was like, I, I'm, I need to turn back to God. And he repented. You're never too far gone. Never too far gone. And I love the Lord's answer to his prayer. It says, the Lord ordered the, uh, ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Right? I would have loved to have been a fisherman on the shore that day. Right? You're there in the Mediterranean Sea. Maybe you're out swimming in the beautiful, crystal clear waters of the Mediterranean Sea. And then all of a sudden, this, this dude goes flying out of this fish's mouth and just lands on the beach. Right? Like, he may have just like vomited him up, or I tend to think that he just shot him right out of there. And there's this dude, and he lands, and he's naked, right? Because he doesn't have clothes. If you don't have body hair because of the acids, you don't have clothes either. That's another thing for you, right? You're like, uh, I've never seen that before. That's like a fish story that nobody's going to believe, probably. Um, but it's, it's amazing how Jonah goes from singing praises to God, and then really, not that long after this, he's going to be wanting to die again. Wanting to die again. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1, sorry. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Deliver the message I have given you. I'm going to give you another chance. Give you another chance. Oh, 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 oh.
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken in a series that you just don't want to miss. Pastor James Grizzle has been walking through the messages that God gave to the prophets in the times that Judah and Israel were not only holding God at arm's length, but also suffering under oppression. It doesn't sound too different than when I let my own selfishness drive my decisions. Am I alone in that? What's amazing to me is that God's love for His children isn't conditional. I love that it's not dependent on what I do or what I don't do, but He does desire an authentic relationship with you and me, a friendship that isn't second best. I urge you to not replace Him with the things of this world that eventually fade away. Will you join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or Thursday night at 7 p.m. to hear more of God's Word? For those of you that can't make it in person, don't worry. We live stream all of our services just for you. So find us on Facebook today. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that and a laid-back atmosphere, then you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, look around a little. You'll find our location, a bunch of archived messages, and a place to give to the ministry. We'd love to have you partner with us as we praise the mighty name of the Lord Jesus together. And with that, we're coming to the end of our time together today. We're so glad you decided to spend your day with us here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.